0: Good morning, family. Good morning. My name is David. Um, I serve as the site pastor here in Sterling. It's so good to see you today. I love baptism days. There's nothing like it. There's one more part. Hey, check out this fanciness happening right now. Oh, ho, 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 ho. he's going to chase me off the stage. Um, there's one thing that we didn't do with our baptisms that is a part of our tradition. Uh, and that's that we, uh, we have a tradition of... Of praying over the candidates individually, and so at Grace Covenant Church, we're a spirit-filled church. We believe that God speaks today, and that we can hear His voice, and we can even share the things that He's speaking to us to others for the purpose of building up the church. and And so, after the service, Pastor Danelle Perkins will be ministering. We we call it the it's a it's a gift that God gives us. A prophecy, So she'll be ministering prophetically to these individuals and just sharing God's heart towards them. And so if you want to hang out immediately after the service, the ushers will be able to tell you where to go to be able to participate in that moment. Just pray over them and, and, and just be a part of the moment. So it's a, it's a powerful thing. It's, it's something that we exercise on a regular basis. We just don't have time to do it from the stage here on a Sunday morning. So we're going to jump in on... Um, Week three of our series on our mission, which is to experience, uh, I'm sorry, to encounter Christ, experience community, and extend the kingdom. Today we're jumping in on extending the kingdom. And we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 22. And so if you could stand with me for the reading of scripture, I'll read this. It's a long passage of scripture. I'm basically reading Acts, um, but I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> But we just we stand in reverence to Scripture, so that uh, it kind of makes us recognize that what's happening right now is distinct and significant compared to everything else that we do, uh, even in the service of worship, but also throughout our week and our life. And so, um, so here we go. Acts. Chapter 17, verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you're very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription. To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is not actually far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, even as as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by, by the art and the imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. This is God's word to us. Father, help us today to, to catch your heart for the nations, yes, to catch your heart for people who we don't know even yet. To catch your heart for those who we know but we have not yet loved. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. So, in this in this passage, there's a pattern that emerges, and I'm going to speak about that pattern as kind of a tool for us to understand how we can participate in the work of extending the kingdom. Saul of Tarsus was uh, produced some of the most violent aggression towards the church in the very beginning. Uh, he, he, was, he was on his way to destroy yet another church, and then God appeared to him. Jesus appeared to him, and he was so impacted by this moment that, that he, his, his life absolutely changed. Now, I, when you encounter Jesus, everything changes. I realized we're going to use the letter E today, and I was like, oh, that could have been the first point, but it's not. It's just a sub-point. When you encounter Jesus, Everything changes. Your perspective about why things happen and how things happen changes. Your understanding and your appreciation for good things and bad things changes. The way that you understand yourself changes. The way that you understand your job changes. The way you understand your boss changes. Everything changes. There's nothing that doesn't or nothing that shouldn't change as we encounter Jesus for who he really is. You tracking? And so Saul of Tarsus has this encounter with Jesus and he starts to go by his name, Paul, because he's going to start reaching, he's going to start reaching a different people group. He has this encounter with Jesus and all of a sudden where he just thought of his people and he thought of his people a certain way. God expands his vision, enlarges his vision to begin to understand that God's heart is bigger than just what he had seen. It was bigger and his vision enlarged and he started to see the nations and he started to see these other people and that sent him on these journeys, these missionary journeys that he went on and they're tracked through the book of Acts. And a lot of the letters that he wrote were as a result of these missionary journeys and they were written, um, the books of the Bible were written to people in jail while he was in jail because of the trips that he was on. You tracking? So not only did he get out of his comfort zone, he got out of his comfort zone, went after people and nations that he didn't know and he previously hadn't cared about, wasn't concerned about, and in doing so, that ended up putting him in jail. Wow. We're not talking much about the jail. I just want to show you how large, how much his vision enlarged because of the gospel. And I just want to ask this question. Are you willing to ask God to enlarge your vision today? Today? Just are you even willing to ask God to enlarge it? I'm not saying, are you going to go to the nations today? I'm not saying, are we going are we going to to minister to the Taliban after the service or, you know, to ISIS? Guys, I chartered a jet. And after this service, we're jumping in and we're flying to the Middle East and we're going to preach the gospel on the street. Who's with me, right? That's not what's happening. But what I'm doing is I'm asking you if you're willing to enlarge your vision, if you're willing to ask God to enlarge your vision, I believe that one of the reasons many people become dissatisfied with church is because they make it all about themselves. And that's wrong in a whole lot of ways. Because it's not about you. <laughs> <laughs> that was offensive, but I said it with a smile. <laughs> it's not about you. It's not about me. Say, it's not about me. It's not about me. Church is not about me. Christianity's not about me. Extending the kingdom is not about me. me. That was a tough one. You did well. I was like, that's a lot of words. (laughs) Extending the kingdom. So it's not about us. What it is, it's all about Jesus. About who he is and understanding who he is. And then when we understand who he is, then we then we begin to fit into it. Then all of a sudden our life has a why. I'm working on a on a project with my classmates on, on studying atheism and secularism. And there's this common answer that comes up that we've got science, so we don't need we don't need God anymore. Wow. People needed God when we didn't have science and we weren't able to understand things. Well, that's cool. But uh like uh the Red Sea, for example, in, in um 2014 the Washington Post wrote this article and said, We know how the Red Sea parted. These winds came. These special winds can come, and this can happen scientifically, but wind did it. God didn't do it. Okay, let's talk about the timing of these winds. (laughs) Can we, you know, you don't want to give God timing? Because, like, he's in charge of the high and the low pressure systems you know, you want to get into string theory or something, he's in charge of the butterfly that flapped his wings in Japan that moved those particles, that moved those particles, that moved those particles, that moved the low-pressure system, that moved the high-pressure system, that caused the wind to come at just the, the, the time that they cried out to God and asked him to do a thing. So I don't... But what science can't answer is the why. What science cannot answer is the why. But his vision enlarged, and I would ask you to enlarge your vision. Psalm 2.8 says, ask, and I'll give the nations to you. Have you prayed for God for more than a promotion? Have you prayed for God for more than a raise? Have you prayed and asked God for the nations? I mean, that's a leaf, isn't it? Like, whoa, how about my neighbor? Let's start with our neighbor. Have we prayed and asked God for our neighbor? I will tell you that praying for the nations is something that we do in this house because we love and care for the nations and the nations are in this community and we want to reach the nations. The nations matter to us because they matter to God. If it wasn't for God, I'd probably pretty much only care about myself and and my immediate family, the ones in my house. But because of God, I've got a heart. And, and Grace Covenant Church has a heart for the nations. One of the motivating factors is to help to establish a church that looks like heaven. And that means we can't just be like me and we can't just be like you. We've been, we need all of us together. It is a beautiful thing from out here. It is a beautiful thing from where I'm standing. You don't get to appreciate it. But I'm like, man, we got people from every kind of walk of life. Amen. Right? You know, you know, Pastor Danelle's like, I'm wearing college gear because it's college, you know, Sunday in Chantilly. I'm like, we, we do that because it's Sunday. <laughs> like, because we had to get dressed. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like, I had to put something on to go to church. So, like, I just, is what I'm doing. <laughs> but we got all kinds of different people from all kinds of different backgrounds. And I love that about us. And that's something that I treasure about us. It's something that's special. And that didn't come from, even from my heart. It came from the heart of God to the heart of Pastor Brett. It's being passed down through the generation, through the elders, through the deacons. And now a generation of people is grabbing onto it. And you're grabbing onto it, I hope, with us. God seems to love prayers for increase. In First Chronicles chapter 4, there's this, there's this um, genealogy going. And so, and so and so and so and so and so and so. And then in verse 10, it says, Now Jabez... Called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it wouldn't pain me. And God granted him what he requested. He cried out to God and said, expand my territory. Enlarge my heart. And God seems to love prayers like that. They say, God, make me bigger than I currently am. And he'll be pleased to do so for, for his purpose to be accomplished in the earth through you. You now he knows the difference between a prayer that is for your own benefit and a prayer that is for the benefit of other people. You might be able to trick me. You might be able to trick your small group leader. You might be able to trick yourself, but you're not going to trick God in this. And so he knows. And so the scariest thing that could happen is you don't deal with your heart when he talks to you about it and you keep asking for it and then you get what you were asking for. The judgment of some people is their comfort. Or the, I'm sorry, the trial of some people is their comfort. The trial of other people is their suffering. And if you're not suffering, then I would tell you you're in your trial of comfort. Because in the trial of comfort, you start to think, oh, everything's cool. I've got God. He's got me. Everything's okay. But the comfort tells us a lot about where our heart is and where our mind is and where uh, what, what we're thinking about and what our priorities are. So we need to engage the culture. Once our, once our vision is enlarged, we need to engage the culture. Paul said this, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. Now I want you to say this with me. For as I passed along. I, passed. Passed, I did that badly. I'm going to learn how to do this. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. As Paul was walking into the city, he observed what was around him without consuming it for himself. There was stuff all around him, all sorts of idols, all sorts of buildings for foreign gods, all sorts of other priorities, all sorts of crazy worship services going on that he would have walked right by. There would have been temple prostitution and those kinds of things that he became aware of, but he didn't participate in. He just became aware of it, observed it, knew it was happening and kept moving along. Martin Luther says you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from nesting in your hair. And so as we walk along the way, as you're going to work, you're going to observe things and see things and hear things and know things as you're walking through the hallway about what's happening in our culture. As you look at the news, you're going to hear things and know things and see things and experience things and and become aware of things that you didn't know about. But the key here is not to, to begin to consume it for yourself or take it for yourself. It's to know that it's there and get a kingdom perspective about its place and its purpose and its role and what the true gospel is, not the false gospel. So what happens as we engage the culture, you're going to hear things and know things that sometimes you wish you wouldn't have rather known. You're also going to run into some things that kind of tempt you a little bit. And you're going to be like, oh, well, that doesn't seem so bad. Well, they're they're doing it and they haven't died yet. (laughs) They haven't died yet, yet. They seem to be doing really well. Proverbs has a lot to say about people who seem to be doing well in their wickedness in this lifetime. It doesn't talk as much about what they should be doing as much as what you should be doing with that feeling. So jump into Proverbs for your five for five this week. What do you see when you drive to work? What are the values of our region? Not in a snarky, weird, kind of like, look at those people worshiping false gods. (laughs) I'm so much better. I worship the false god of my own pride. (laughs) And how well I follow Jesus. Those guys. I just shot myself. That zinged me. I was just like, whoo. As I passed along, I observed these things. He didn't. Now, here's what's cool. He didn't, he didn't disregard their values and religious icons. He leveraged them. He says, he says, as I passed along, I observed these things. In verse 23, he says, that I was looking at them, and one was to an unknown God. He knew what was going on. He was aware of what was happening. And he's like, he's like, I saw this one that really stuck out to me. And we'll have a conversation about that in just a minute. He didn't just disregard the arts. He even used and he used quotes from their poets to help teach them the gospel. He's like, one of your own poets is saying this. Does he agree with the poet? Does he does he feel good about what the poet is saying? Or did he? No, he just acknowledged what the poet was saying and acknowledged the little seed of truth that he could use to leverage the platform of the gospel in that community. There is always a platform that exists for the gospel to be taught on. Every single time there is always a place there's in, in culture, there's always a place in values that you can come in and you can say, here's a value of the gospel. And I can, you can open up a conversation about who Jesus is through that. Sometimes it takes time. It takes relationship. I'm not saying you come up and just punch somebody in the mouth with the gospel and be like, Hey, I see you doing that incorrectly. Pow. Here's truth. I tried that. It's not very effective. I'm Not physically punching someone, but you're tracking. So do you know what the poets of our day are saying? Mm -hmm. Or do you know what the messages are? There's a song called Havana. Havana unana, right? It's a a song about missions. It's a song about missions. Half her heart. Half her heart is in Havana. She can't even live where she's at because she knows that she belongs in Havana. That's not really the meaning of the song. But I know the feeling of having half your heart somewhere else because God has called you to those people and God's broken your heart for somebody and you've got to get the gospel to them and you've got to introduce them to truth and you've got to demonstrate compassion. I know what it feels like to leave your heart somewhere because you desperately need to see them come to Jesus. It's not a song about coming to Jesus. (laughs) Just in case you were wondering, Ed Sheerhan wrote a song about Jesus called Perfect. It's actually about his bride. It's about the bride of Christ, about the church. It's not that either. <laughs> People who know the song lyrics are like, nah, nah. You're lucky I didn't get to number three on the billboards. I couldn't find a way to redeem that one, except for to say all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That was, that's all I got. <laughs> That's all I got from number three. Don't look it up. You don't need to. You don't need. There's some things you don't need to be aware of. Just for let's just clarify something real quick. Some things you just don't even got to know. You just got to pass on by, right? You're like you know what's happening, and just just be okay knowing that you don't know what exactly is happening. All right. <laughs> Whew, okay. He says, therefore. What you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Family, we need to be able to exhort with conviction. We need to see the culture, understand the culture, pray for wisdom about the culture, understanding about the culture. And then when the opportunity presents itself, and it will, you need to speak with conviction about what you know to be the truth. In order to speak with conviction about the truth, you need to seek out the truth. So as we're walking through and we're observing the culture, that's not where our heart's meditation is. Uh, we're not going to go just become complete students of the culture. We need to become students of God, students of God's word, students of God's purpose, so that when we walk through, we just get the understanding on, 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 the, on the go as we're walking. You tracking? Mm-hmm. And so where our heart's orientation needs to be, where the meditation of our heart needs to remain is on Christ and his kingdom. Yeah. It needs to be on his word. Okay, so we're engaging the culture, but our heart is meditating on, on Christ. And as we do that, we'll be able to speak with conviction. Paul came with this message. He's like, you've got this unknown God? I know who he is. He's got a name. And, he, and then he also has this message. He says, all people, every nation are equally created in God's image. All are deeply loved by God. All have sinned and called to repent. Um, and God's ability to redeem is demonstrated through the resurrection of Jesus. All of that in Acts 17. What's the message that God's putting in your heart to speak the truth to our culture? Have you asked God for a message yet? Maybe that's just a part of the enlarging of your heart that needs to happen. Because sometimes we can think so much about what we're hoping for and what we're praying for and what we're expecting that that we forget that we're supposed to be carriers of a message to others. And when we share this message, we need to do so with compassion and grace and humility. I was talking to a Muslim person one time. And we were having a really meaningful conversation. It was on an airplane. And he goes, do you understand that what you're asking me to do in this conversation is to walk away from everything that I've known and everything that I know and to change my values and to walk into a completely new life? And I didn't quite understand it at that point. He goes, imagine... I was persuading you to become a Muslim and telling you to walk away from everything that you know, everything that you've experienced, everybody you've related to. that was a really humbling moment for me. Now, the reason we had that part of the conversation is because Christ was stirring his heart and he was counting the cost. He's like, Oh, Jesus is more than I thought he was. There's more to him than I realized. There's more to him than, than I even dared to hope. So he's wrestling with it. And that's why we had that part of the conversation. And so, but that's why we need to share this message with absolute truth and, and and we can't apologize for the truth, but we can do so, we can share this truth with compassion. And I'm not saying, well, I said hey, exhort and he said, I proclaim to you. Now, he was in the Areopagus, so he's standing here. He's basically defending his case. He's on trial. Right? So he was preaching everywhere else and people are like, hey, he's bringing a foreign God into here. Let's put him up here. We need to see if this guy's legit. And so he's, he's proclaiming this good news because he's speaking to a group of people. What I'm asking you to do is just to engage in a conversation. What I'm asking you to do is to speak what God has put on your heart and to do so with tenderness and love and kindness. If you know that somebody, I mean, what about this tide packet eating thing. Have you seen this? You want to know what's going on in the culture? People are eating tide packets because gushers aren't enough of a rush, right? It's, it's ridiculous. It's stupid, but how ridiculous is the person who doesn't say, Hey dummy, don't do it. Right? Like sometimes we just let people go on eating tide packets. Sometimes, yeah, thank you. We got it. You got it? Yeah. Sometimes we let people just go on and eat in Tide packets. Yeah. Instead of saying no. I mean, it's it's celebrities are responding to the Tide packet thing. They're like they're, they're like, "Hey, stop it." <laughs> you know, one comedian, he's like he's like, "Oh no, I just found, you know, I just found gushers in my dishwasher." He goes, "I hope I didn't put a Tide packet in my kid's lunch." And it was just, He was, was a joke. He was being funny. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about. <laughs> so here's the thing with the message. The message, the, the, the messenger should align with the message. Now, I'm not saying that. So if your message is I'm perfect, good luck with that. <laughs> I prefer a message of Jesus is perfect and I'm chasing after him. And I'm being perfected. I'm learning to walk with him. I'm not better than you. But in some ways, because of what Jesus has done in my life, I am a little bit better off than you. Not better off like financially and everything. That would take explaining, I guess. If I say yes and I nod my head no, which one do you believe? No? On the count of three, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit a slide and I want you to say the color of the word. Are you ready? One, two, three. Say it people are still saying red the word is the the color of the word is blue but uh, the people who answered first like the slower people were like blue dummies you didn't but but they took more time to answer it so they were like hey we'll let somebody else answer it and then i'll jump in there's something i'm sorry over here on this side of the room oh it's got brakes on it (laughs) just tip it over and smash it on the first sunday (laughs) that was a fun experiment So, so it's the, it's the word red written in the color blue. And what happens is if you look at it and you, you, I mean, it's still hard. You're like, what color is it? And you're like, red. No, it's blue. The message should match. The message should match the, the, the messenger. I didn't think to also put it in red. So you just got to wrestle with that. (laughs) For those of you who are a little OCD, I'm really sorry. This is just going to remain stressful for just just a couple more minutes. I don't have a red red. We just have the blue one. The message that you bring should match the messenger. So as we bring it, otherwise it's really confusing. You know what I mean? And so we need to take care to guard our hearts. We need to take care of the study, of the real thing. We need to take heart. We need to ask God to enlarge our vision. We need to know who he is, engage the culture, and then exhort and then share what we know to be true. And we need to embody the message that we're bringing. If you're bringing a message of forgiveness and love, your life should be filled with forgiveness and love. If you're bringing a message of grace and compassion, your life should demonstrate grace and compassion. Now, you can't just pick like the severeness of God. <laughs> like God is, <laughs> God is zealous <laughs> and just, <laughs> you know, like, so you just come out swinging with haymakers, okay? because you wouldn't do it the way he does it. Yeah. That's good. Now, the result of this is that some came to faith and some did not. In verse 32 and 33, we didn't read that. But none would have come to faith without his courage. God uses people, not programs, to advance the kingdom of heaven. He uses people, not programs, to make his love and his mercy, his greatness, his glory known on the face of the earth. He doesn't use some, some unknown people. He doesn't use an ambiguous people. He uses a you people. And he uses a me. Can we all just say, he uses me, he uses me. To extend the kingdom of God through your life, through your message. As you ask him for a bigger vision, he's going to give it to you. As you ask him for a heart for other people, he's going to give it to you. And then we just got to be faithful to show him Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now what's cool is that uh, I love the way that, that God speaks to us? Is He's like He's like how? If you had any question, like how do you know that Paul ended the message by saying, "You know how I know this is going to happen because Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. Everybody else who's always who, who's who's ever who's ever died stayed dead. Jesus rose from the dead." conquered sin and death and what we believe is that any man who's in Jesus, we talked about this all the way at the beginning, if any man is in Christ he's a new creation, the old is gone and the new has come our old life is gone our new life is here the death that we once deserved because of our rebellion against God uh, is, is has been paid in full and we receive the blessings and the mercies of God instead of the judgment Father in the name of Jesus we love you we thank you for enlarging our vision. I tell you what, could you, can you, if you want God to enlarge your vision, if you've been kind of living in your own circle and you need God to enlarge your vision, can you raise your hand with me? We're going to pray. We're going to ask God altogether, God, enlarge our vision. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would enlarge our vision. Help us to see beyond ourselves and our immediate circumstance. God, we ask that you would enlarge our territory, enlarge the boundaries of our heart and of our mind, enlarge the boundaries of our resources, enlarge the boundaries of our responsibilities, enlarge the boundaries of our, of our love and our heart's cry. God, I ask that you would put communities and nations on our hearts and not just the distant ones that we, that we, don't, we can't do anything about. Put the nations that are here on our hearts and let us burn with a passion to see them come to the knowledge of you. Enlarge our territory, God. Stir our hearts with your vision for this, for, for this community, for our culture, for our country, and for other nations beyond, those, beyond these boundaries. God, I thank you. For your faithfulness to enlarge our boundaries, to enlarge our thinking, and to advance your kingdom in Jesus' name. Now, if there's anybody here who's, you know, through the baptisms and through this message and through offering, through everything that's happened today, if, if you're like, man, I, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Either I've been running from him, and it's time to return, or, or. You know, you've, he's been calling your name for a long time and you're finally ready to surrender. Can you raise your hand? I just want to pray with you as well. That's great. That's awesome. Just pray with me if you raise your hand. You can pray quietly. Father, today I surrender. I hear you calling me to yourself. Here I am. Thank you for sending your son to die in my place and to rise from the dead on my behalf. I receive the forgiveness that's made available through his sacrifice and through your love. I receive the gift of eternal life. I receive the gift of your Holy Spirit. I receive the gift of your love and your graciousness. I ask that you would give me the courage to follow you, the courage to obey you, the courage to turn from the things that I know to be sin. In Jesus' name.